When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. I started this podcast seven years ago and almost 700 episodes so that I could interview really interesting people who are doing cool things in the world of business. And today we're going to talk about how do you thrive and grow over the long run. And we're going to talk to a guest who is 93 years old, founded his business in 1962 and still runs it as the president every single day. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. And if you listen to this show regularly, you know that I also work for Stanton Chase International. So if you're looking to grow your senior executive team, check us out at StantonChase.com. All right. So today's guest is Dave Yoho. And he runs the oldest and one of the most successful consulting companies in the United States, Dave Yoho Associates. He started the business in 1962, and he is now 93 years old and still is in that chair of president, making sure that things happen every single day in his company. At his heart, he is a specialist in communication, and he helps people transition from ideas and thoughts and premises into the actuality of doing business. And you know, there's a lot of theories and thoughts and premises out there, but so many people never get to that action. And what Dave does with his clients is he helps people make that transition to actually having the success. He has given over 5,000 paid speeches in all 50 states and 18 countries. And really his list of accolades is so long that we would take the entire 25 minutes of the show just reading that list. So instead, I'm just going to toss it over and welcome Dave Yoho to Making Waves at Sea Level. Hey, Dave. Glad to be here. Fire wind ready. (laughs) So... I love the fact that you are working every day, you're still speaking, you're still training, you're still giving advice to companies at 93 years old. So let's go to the basis of how does one have a career with a company that you started in 1962 and have never stopped? What's the secret to thriving over the long run? Well, if you want to go back to the basics, the first premise is to have a plan. Now, the plan cannot just be enthusiastic or envisioned uh, as a success. The the, the program has to have a plan, and that plan has to be aimed at the market you want to impact or impress or sell to. And that marketplace is shifting like this at all times. And the trick is to find out where your market is at a given time, what your competition is doing, and then how do you get into that market and compete? 
And when I say to young people, if you don't know as much as your competitor, outwork them. So that's a plan also. And people go in business with the premise that they're going to build a business and work less. It doesn't work that way. So your plan is how do you fit into the business? How do you create others who can work within the framework of what your plan is? And how can you constantly be instilling them with new, upgraded, updated information to say, here it is. What you did then, that was then. What is here now is now. What do you have to meet those needs? So that was part of my plan. My lifestyle plan was, um, well, I don't want to go into that. That would take a lot of time. But to simply tell you, uh, my mother died at 43. Her mother died at 63. My father died at 71. His father at 61. And they all died of heart disease. And uh, there were two children uh, beside me. I have an older and a younger sister, both deceased. But my family didn't eat right, think right. Or Now, keep in mind, I grew up at a bad time, depression. But I laid out a life plan for myself, and it has to do with the things I put in my body and the things that I put in my head and the things that I do and not permit to come into my head. And that's why at 93, I'm... Uh, I still am a very popular speaker. I speak all over the world, and C-SPAN just did a thing on me because I'm a veteran of World War II. But I never forget where I am today. Right now, what do we have to face? What do we have to change? What do we have to augment? What do we have to modify? And what stands in the way? So I would imagine that when you started your business in 1962, the business world was a lot different. I, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you are, but I remember the, the 70s and 80s. This whole thing of entrepreneurship wasn't as popular as mainstream as it is today. So going back to 1962, what was it that caused you to start your own business? When it, Like nowadays, 28-year-olds start their own business every half hour. But it wasn't necessarily the, the norm back then. What led you into this world of entrepreneurship? Well, well, I had, I had good roots uh, in, in the sense when I, I came out of World War II and I went to night school. I went to uh, Temple University to get my uh, undergraduate degree, but I worked during the day. And I learned from all the places where I worked, what worked, what didn't work, what, what could be directed at that. Now, it's a fantasy to simply say, I want to be in business for myself. You need ground roots. So I worked for a great company. I, they had 500 salespeople and I was a trainee and I hated it from the very minute because cold call solicitation is sickening. No one likes it. You have someone who says, well, I love to get on the phone. I love to go out and knock on doors. Love to solicit. But you, that person is a sick person. <laughs> so you have to find a way to do distasteful things to make your business grow. And uh, so what happened, I had good roots, good foundation. I became the assistant of the vice president in charge of sales by my uh, 27th birthday. And so as an aftermath of that, I had a good ground roots. Not, not to uh, simply identify my business with theirs, but to learn how their business was really modeled and structured and what made that work. And so that was the foundation. And since then, I lead a very healthy lifestyle. I work out every day. I have a gym in my home. I don't eat red meat, fried foods, fast foods. I don't eat desserts. I don't eat sugar and salt. And yet, I have a good lifestyle. I can afford to eat wherever I want, whenever I want, 
but I choose the things that I will put into my stomach and the things that I'll put into my head. Incidentally, what do you put into your head? People get up in the morning, put it on the television. What do they turn to? The news. Local news, murders, rapes, fires. What's wrong with our city? National news, murders, rapes, fires. What's wrong? And all they do is feed a bulk of information that is negative. And so in my advanced studies, I went back to school in my 30s. I went to school uh, on a program to study clinical psychology. And here's what I learned. Five minutes of sustained negativity can affect your central nervous system for up to 20 hours. Wow. That's, so, that's your, your little bit of negativity for breakfast and your whole day is yeah, shot. Well, and, and you think about it. I mean, listen to what's going on in the news today. Well, it's always been that way, uh, different cultures. But, you know, when you were saying entrepreneurship back when I grew well, people wanted to be in business for themselves. Most of them didn't write a plan, and most of them didn't implement the plan, and most of them didn't have as part of their plan, how do I grow? How do I listen to a boring professor, as most of them turned out to be, because they're so I-centered? I think, I feel, I believe. And what can I extrapolate from what is being said there? So they give you a book, and they say, we're going to cover these four chapters, okay? I want to know the one that went before the fourth and went after the sixth. I want to know what they didn't tell me. <laughs> so then that was the questioning starts. Uh, he's got my time, I've got my eye, and I ask questions. And it became, uh, and I don't, I don't agree with everything I heard, but I listened to it. And I've, uh, I, I believe that uh, that should be an ongoing practice. So in addition to your own business, part of what you do with your business and with your speaking career is you advise other businesses. So since 1962, you have seen small companies, mid-sized companies, Fortune 100 companies go through a lot of changes. The business world has probably gone through three or four total iterations during those six decades. What are some of the things that are really different now that people aren't paying attention to? What are the shifts as we go into 2022 that people really need to be seeing where the world is different in business, even just over the last two years, but certainly over the last 60 years? All right. Well, that's a complicated question, and it isn't one question. It's about 10. That, that's but yeah, start that's this about way. right. <laughs> uh, one of the greatest problems facing uh, small businesses today is the ability to hire help. And uh, it causes them to do things that are wrong. They will need someone so bad that they'll agree to pay them more money just to get them to go to work. And that may or may not be the answer. They want to find people in their own industry that work for a competitor so it'll stabilize their training when they come to your business. And that may work, but it's not a good long-range solution. So we have a national crisis today. Uh, we represent a lot of people in the home remodeling, home repair business and whatnot. They lost a million, one million employees, workers during the COVID-19. And so as a natural consequence, there is a dearth, a lack of employees. So you have to find other ways to recruit people. You have to find other ways to get people interested in your company. And it isn't just time and money. And then the government pays the many people that you need in your work. They pay them money not to work. Now, you can sit here and howl at the moon or find ways to get around that. Not easy, complicated, but everything that is worthwhile is complicated. Uh, the process in psychology is called 
cognitive dissidence. And the complication there is taking a new idea and trying to set it in with the other ideas that may be part of your behavior, part of your belief. Cognitive dissidence. And there's a complication there. I also have a, and that's a phrase, that's a psychological phrase. I invented, uh, I engineered one called cognitive um, uh, cognitive ignorance, <laughs> which means, um, it's a simple philosophy. You cannot know what you do not know. And you cannot learn what you do not know until you can willingly say, I do not know. So you'll be open to more information. So the complicated process of trying to hire people today, you can post on any one of the postings and get people to send you resumes. You will find it difficult when you call them to get them to return your call because they have a selected in their mind what they would like to do. And let us say the uh, esoteric things that are going on around us, the news, the theories, and the overnight successes, and how much it can make as a professional football player, a singer, a dancer, a rap player, or get on your own talk show. These are all, they're all phantasmagoricals. Now, there's a practical way to look at that. Your company, why should one person want to come to work for your company today? And you're going to tell them what a good guy you are, what a good gal you are, what a wonderful business you have, how your people all love you, and your third-generation business. My grandfather started to pay. Here he is with all his whiskers. <clears throat> Nothing. So how do you apply an idea to these people wanting to come to work for you? Because you need those people. That is the complicated process that is existing today, complicated for people. Everyone would like to start at the top. Everyone wants one of those businesses where they can sit at home, drink beer, eat popcorn, watch television, and the checks come in through the door, through the mail slot, or however. About the life. I say to my children, look, it isn't how much money you make in life. It's how much you can keep. That goes with the model of your business. What you decide to do in your business has to be related to what do you want to take out of that. If you want to build a business and flip, we represent a lot of companies being acquired today by companies who have abundance in cash, and they're going to flip your company. Yeah, but that's a phantasmagorical dream. They only want to buy companies that are doing well and making money because they want to flip them in five or seven years. So if you understand the process of all the things we're facing today, this is a tough time. No tougher than the Depression. I was born in 28. The stock market failed in 29. 33, the banks failed. And now you can sit by and say, well, you know, we didn't have this. We couldn't do this. Or get on your horse and travel a new road. Not not change the business. Modify, and it starts here. Can you modify your thinking? I believe that most things are possible. I believe that most people are incapable of sitting down and doing the impossible. And yet you see examples of it at all times. General Colin Powell passed away. Right, just last week, yeah. I, I had the good fortune to meet him a number of times. I spoke on the same platform with him. 
a marvelous, marvelous. But he was just thinking. He came from Jamaica, wasn't even born in this country, African-American. And now he says in the opening part of the speech, what I'm going to tell you is my story, and if I can do it, you can do it. Make it sound great? Okay. But let me tell you some of the things are in there. It's patience to learn what you do not know. It is the discipline to do what you do not like to do, provided both those things are subsequent to the plan you laid out and said, here's what I want to do, and here's how I'm going to get there. Now, I plan to be around. I'm, you know, I, I'm going to be around for a long time. Uh, I, <laughs> I spoke at a medical convention recently, and I kept saying, if I die, if I were to die, if I... And somebody came up to me and said, Dave, <laughs> you're going to die. You keep saying, if I die, you're going to die. Well, I say, that's not in my plan. I don't have that plan right now. And there will be some time I will have to have that plan. But you watch my energy and listen to my voice, listen to my diction, my vocabulary. Those were part of my plan. My father had been a ninth grade education. My mother, probably sixth or seventh grade education. Now, keep in mind, they were the, the progenitors of my generation, which was called the greatest generation. And unfortunately, they weren't educated. And maybe you can say they didn't have the resources. Well, I never had any financial resources, but you can find what you need. So you bring up an interesting point, and that is that, that you're one of those people that fall into what they call the greatest generation. And, you know, several years ago, when I was a kid, I don't think they lumped us all into generations as early. Certainly when you were in high school, they didn't tell you you're part of the greatest generation. However, as time has gone on, they like to lump people together. And a lot of uh, negativity is put on this younger generation that they're entitled, that they're privileged. Is that just something that happens with all younger generations? Should we stop picking on the young kids and and start guiding them to, to just get beyond what we all went through? Well, well, I think you have to have a knowledge of history. If we don't give others a knowledge of history, they're bound to repeat the same mistakes that our generation has made. And I believe for the most part, people do what their limitations guide them to do. That's including our leaders. They cannot know what they do not know. And by the very act of doing what they do, they show us what they do not know or even remotely understand. We had 130 million people in the United States when World War II started. We have 325-plus million in the United States today. There will always be a percentage of them that are not going to work. There will be a percentage who try, and it doesn't work out right away, so then they don't want to do what they were doing because they're not getting an emotional or a financial payback. But if you look at the successes in life, they learn to live with great disappointments. Now, I understand you interviewed uh, Mark Victor Hansen, a yes. very good friend of mine, chicken soup for the soul. They had, when he and his associate uh, uh, author Jack. wrote that, they had like three or 400 rejection slips. you got to have breath, you know what, to just send that to another promoter. But that's the way it works. 
Well, and so, that's that's actually a, a great analogy because they were turned down close to 300 times to publish yeah. the book that the series Chicken Soup for the Soul has now sold, you know, close to, I don't know, with Mark's other books. He said he's close. Half a billion books have been sold. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. It is. It's okay. But, but you see, it's a dedication to the survival technique that is inherent to a guy like Mark. I, I knew him when he was. Uh, before his 20th birthday, I think I first met him, he came up and introduced himself to me. And he was driving one of those big old square Volkswagen vans, you know? (laughs) So it's the individual's concentration on tasks. Now, some people come by it easier than others, and, and some just decide that they're going to do it and revise their plan to meet the needs of society today. So what are you know, sort of, listen, I know a lot of guys made a lot of money and they go to their deathbed without living in a state. So you have a plan. I told my wife when we got married, after 60, I don't borrow money. I don't have a mortgage. I don't really go. I'm going to do that. And to build my business, I borrowed at any time a million bucks to supplant my needs. But you have to find a way to work in a business so you don't have that, so you have cash flow. And that's also a plan. All right, Dave, I've got a couple of more questions for you before I can let you go. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, sure. this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, guidance, and training so that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Dave Yoho. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of the people who listen to this show would love to have their own podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Dave, we have about 10 minutes left. I want to get into advice for people who are trying to grow a business, whether it's whether it's a small business or a larger business. What are some tips that people can take away and really put into practice right now? Because I know there's there's a lot of mistakes that businesses make. So what are some of the positive things that people can do to push themselves forward in these changing times? Well, I did state the first part is have have a plan and a model for doing business then you have to have a model that is replicable that you can teach other people portions of and to do it effectively. Uh, Or you can say, well, I've got a successful company now, or my idea is becoming successful. I want to bring someone in that's going to manage my people. Unless you bring someone in that you train to train the trainer and to train the trainee, it's not going to work. So have a plan. Involve yourself in the plan. Now, I have clients who are brilliant, brilliant people, but they do not like to sell. They don't even like to talk about the marketing. It is the key ingredient in getting where you want. It's some sort of, so if it's not you, then you have to hire someone. And selling is a peculiar phenomenon to begin with. Everyone doesn't have the behavior that fits that model. So we have to then say, do the things that you are best at doing. Are you familiar with behavioral profiling? Uh, probably. The DISC, you see the oh, DISC. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with DISC, sure. Yeah, well, we designed our own years ago with our own algorithms 
that can divine the behavior of an individual based on what they do ordinarily, what is their perception, what they do under stress or pressure, and what they do to mask what they really are from the rest of the world. So many people perform tasks they don't like to do. As an example, I know many actors, I've worked with some of them, they, they get choked up when they get up to make a speech. Why? Because they're used to working with a script, and they don't have a script to follow. They're not comfortable. And then they have a director who makes it easy for them to do all the mistakes. So the director says, cut. Now let's just see you do it over one more time, Dave. And when you get to this phrase, you got to bring your voice up or lower your voice or talk quietly to the people or gesture in such a way that you will keep them in. So that is a learning capacity. So then you get to, to how you're going to finance the business you're in. One way or another, you're going to finance it. I've known people who uh, set their mind after they've had a successful career to go in business. And I say, put your savings account at risk. Borrow money from yourself. And then how do you set yourself up? Should you be an LLC, an S corporation, a SEPIRA? And what are your plans for all these things? See, you got to know a lot of things today. But the difference between today and 50, 60 years ago, there are things available for you. So that's part of it. And then it's everyday diligent. You got to get up in the morning and face a negative world and people who are going to tell you what you're doing isn't worth something or they disdain you for something. So here's what it really amounts to. You decide in your head every day how you're going to face the day. So in my studies of human behavior, I find most people doubt themselves. They're not as sure of themselves as they make you think they are. And so you have your personal affirmations, affirmations. If you go on YouTube and look at the thing I do on affirmations, it's funny, funny to watch that. But the realism is you have to be saying in your head, I am a unique and precious being created by God for very special purposes. I am ever doing the best I can. I'm ever growing in love and awareness. This is my day. No one can take it from me. I am on a journey that no one can give me a detour. Now, you've got to say it, but you've got to believe it. And the first thing, you're going to get up and be heart and hell and well met. and Oh, wonderful. Then you come into somebody who says, oh, yeah, but, you know, look what's happening. This is the worst I've ever seen. I don't think we're going to. We're going to survive. We're not going to survive in the way the politicians are telling us we're going to survive, but we will survive. Because I am a precious human being, unique in all the things I do, and I'm capable of doing these. I believe it. I teach this to organizations that have a thousand salespeople. They come to my, uh, I come to the program, and the first thing I tell them: most people don't like to sell. Even you people who are successful, you don't like to sell. What you do, you like to get the order. And you like to get the order and fulfill it and get your commission. That's what you like. That's what you love. That's normal. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You will learn how to sell by looking at every transaction that you don't sell and say, what could I have done differently? So that's one thing. Now, that's a little more complicated. That's your personal plan. So I love that last part. I loved all of it, but I love that last part about the fact when you were talking about, you know, you won't, you won't sell until, you know, you decide to get out and sell. I forget exactly how you phrased it, but that, I mean, it sort of resonated in me that, oh, I, I, I can't do it till I'm ready to do it until I do the things I need to do. So 
Dave, I, I'm fascinated still with the fact that many people retire at 65 years old. And for the last 30 years, you've said, I'm not retiring. And in fact, you've, you've refired and you've got, it, you've got it going strong. So for the people who are listening to this show who want to have longevity in business, meaning they would love to go through their 70s and 80s and like you into their 90s and still being a contributor. Is there any other thing besides the health piece, which obviously matters a lot, and besides the affirmation piece and keeping yourself believing and going, is there anything else that we need to do if we want to set a goal to be working like you when we're 93? Okay, you have to set up barriers in your life. As much as you want to be expansive and available to all people, you have to hang with people who are positive. You have to stay away from negativity. And when you get up every day, you have to give thanks for where you are. And so all the things that I could say that are deleterious in the world today, I came from a world where my parents never owned a home, never owned a car. My mother's grandfather was uh, functionally illiterate, couldn't sign his own name. If you want to use that as a reason not to succeed, you ain't going to succeed because you're going to always have that to throw back. If you can take whatever you have at this given time, take a look at your personal assets, whatever they might be, consider what they might be. And just don't look at the things where, you know, well, I was never, uh, I couldn't dance. I understand. So when you went over to ask a girl to dance, what went through your head? I wonder if she'll turn me down. That's where most people fail. So they go out to sell. I wonder if he's got prices lower than mine. I wonder if he's going to be antagonistic. It's a bad day. I hope it isn't. You make everything what you want it to be. And it's kind of difficult at times to see that. And so every day is a game plan. Every day you get up because you're going to – I come into my office and I have a wonderful admin assistant. She's fantastic. She screens everything that comes in. But she knows which are the priorities. She knows which to put on my plate first. She knows when she opens the email, which people have to get. And if I'm not here and there's an emergency, she gets back to those people right away. Now, today you call people. They don't return their calls. You have to experience this personally. You call them. They say, call me. I need to talk to you. You call them. They don't return your call. And so you call them four or five or six times. So what I invented years ago, I call it the pest letter or the pest message. And here's what we tell people. Send out the, the, an email to the person who has responded and say, thank you for your original inquiry. Now I have a problem and I need your help. That comes out in neurolinguistic programming. I have a problem. I need your help. You see, if we don't follow up, you may think we're not interested in you or your business, or your company. Yet, if I follow up too frequently and I don't get to contact you, I'll be labeled a pest. So do this for me. I'll give you three options here, and I'll put on there. Uh, we've, we've, uh, we've backlogged this, or we've uh, put it on a back burner. Uh, our next available time to talk would be on such. But we're no longer interested. Now, that's one way. You can leave a message that way if you're trying to get a hold of somebody. Don't blame the person you can't get a hold of. Don't give them a name. Find a way to react to it. And uh, if uh, one of the funny things 
that if you go on YouTube, you'll see my name, Dave Yoho, look up trying to buy a car. And if you look at that, it, I did it for a 3,500 AT&T executives. And I want to get a point across to them that we're sending out the wrong message off them. But I don't want to do that by condemning them. So I tell them about trying to buy a car. And you'll see it's humorous because it is based on my, my theory of behavior, energy, persuasion, optimism, and discipline. Do it one more time. Energy, persuasion, optimism, and discipline. All these are positivities. And you measure everything you're doing by those four things. So you can get upset by the fact that the world is not going the way you want or the tax and the tax, every, everything that you see about taxation should scare you out of your wits. But remember, this is a world that we made. We're a 325 million. There's never been a country as successful as this country. And anything they do to tear it down, we're still the most successful. And they can do the most ridiculous things and, and put us in a position where we are maybe are the most criticized nation in the world. We're still going to make it. We have a way of getting rid of the people who don't do what they're supposed to do. And then I say to myself, come on, Dave, think about it. If you were in power, what would you do? And I'd be making mistakes, too, because I, I have a forceful personality. And uh, somebody has occasionally will say to me, do people ever get upset with your aggressiveness? Yeah. I had uh, a client one time when I flew to California to do an overview of his business at the end of the first day. He said to me at the end of the day, I know we were going to have dinner tonight and I have to beg off. I said, okay, it's your money, but why are you begging off? He said, well, I hate to tell you this, you tire me out. I'm being around you, we're getting on it, but you do tire me out. We can tire people out. So we have to feed our message in doses. Sometimes we say it takes as little as, as more as, either how you place it, 21 days to change behavioral action. 21 days. I didn't invent the number. Here's what I'll say. Anytime you go and inject something and try it, write down the days, count them off, and do the same thing at the same level of energy. And don't let people tear you down. Don't let the news wear you down. Don't let negativity wear you down. Just remember, you're a unique and precious human being created for a purpose. You make that possible. Well, Dave, I wish that my podcast was like a four hour long podcast like Joe Rogan so that we could just keep talking because every time we take a twist and a turn, you just keep dropping those those knowledge bombs. But we only had a half hour together this time. But I am so glad that you came and shared with the audience here on Making Waves at Sea Level. If people want to find you, they want to find more about you. How would they do that? Well, you can go on Dave Yoho YouTube would be one way. Triple W. DaveYoho.com is my email. But if you go on YouTube, as you went on, you'll see hundreds, maybe thousands, and the things that the correct language to use when closing a sale. It probably has had four or 500 viewers. Or take a look at this thing I, I mentioned, trying to buy a car. If you want to see something patriotic, I did a speech at the World War II Memorial in 2017, 
and we had 1,250,000 viewers. I might have sent you that, but you can go on YouTube and see it. It's Dave Yoho 2017 Memorial Day. I have a great deal of faith in humanity. I have a great deal of faith in God. He put me here for a purpose, and I ain't ever going to disappoint him. Uh, right? So I, I, I want to tell you one other final thing. I have friends in their 50s and 60s who have it in their living will that they want me to do their eulogy. Now think about this. If a guy is 50 or 60, he's thinking he's gonna, he thinks I'm going to outlast him. He may be right. You know, if anyone's going to ask outlast all of us, it very well might might be you. I had a conversation just last week with a young man who I met, and he had invested, he, he was about 26, he had invested with a life coach to help him. He had spent like $15,000, and he got nothing out of his investment. I said, tell me about the coach you hired. He hired a 25-year-old life coach and paid an large amount of money and said he didn't really feel like he walked away with much value. And I said, what is it? Why would you hire somebody younger than you to be your life coach? I go, why aren't you looking for a mentor or a series of mentors? And he was in his 20s and I said in their 50s, 60s, I, I didn't take it to their 70s, 80s and 90s. But the reality is, is that when we can listen to people who have played this game for, you know, in your case, seven decades in business, I think there's so many knowledge bombs that get dropped. I think that we need to be uh, all podcasters uh, out there need to be looking for not these 22 year olds. A lot of them are smart. A lot of them are doing great things. But I think we need to be looking to those people who are still in business well into those later decades. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing. I, I, I need you for 13 seconds. Don't confuse intelligence with being smart. Henry Ford had less than a high school education and became the greatest industrial in his time. He was also a bigot. Uh, but take all that away. He had imagination and he put it to work. He did some unconscionable things, but don't confuse intellectuality with smart moves. Thank you for sharing with me today. Ah, thank you. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do the podcast? Seven years and almost 700 episodes into this, I don't plan to stop anytime soon. So do me a favor. If you like the show, go tell a friend. Everyone who listens tells me they found the show because someone recommended it. So word of mouth still matters even in our high-tech world. So go tell somebody about the show. And yeah, you can go to Apple or Spotify and leave one of those five-star reviews. I like that too. But word of mouth is probably the most important thing you can do to help me out in growing the reach of this show. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with someone else making waves who is just as cool as Dave Yoho. And I know you're thinking, what? How will you find anybody this cool? But you know what? We do it every single time. We're here twice a week with Making Waves at Sea Level. So in the meantime, go out there, flex your business muscles, make sure that your career ladder is against the correct wall, because it's a big effort to climb that career ladder. You don't want to get to the top and say, huh, I'm in the wrong place. And while you're out there doing all this, have some fun along the way. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.